Section 9 of The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ocean A General Account of the Science of the Sea by John Murray. Chapter 5 Waters of the Ocean Compressibility, Pressure, Color, Viscosity, Penetration of Light, Tides, Waves, Sieges. Part 1. In the preceding chapters, we have dealt with the salinity and temperature conditions in the ocean, and it is now desirable to say a few words about some of the other physical characteristics and movements of ocean waters which must be taken into consideration in the discussion of oceanic circulation and marine biological problems. Compressibility of Water In 1661, some academicians at Florence, wishing to test the compressibility of water, filled a thin gold globe with that liquid, and after hermetically sealing it, exposed it to pressure with the view of altering its form, well knowing that any alteration in form of a sphere must be accompanied by a diminution in volume. The consequence was that the water forced its way through the pores of the gold, and stood on the outside of the globe like dew. This experiment has since been repeated with globes made of other metals with like results, and for a long time all liquids were regarded as being absolutely incompressible, but subsequent researches have shown that liquids are really slightly compressible. Some authors say the compression is proportional to the pressure up to a pressure of 65 atmospheres, but P. G. Tate and J. Y. Buchanan have shown that compressibility decreases slightly with increase of pressure. Water is compressible by about one twenty-thousandth of its bulk under the pressure of one atmosphere. At four thousand fathoms, the pressure would reduce the bulk of ten thousand five hundred cubic feet of surface water to about ten thousand cubic feet, and Tate calculated that, if gravity should suddenly cease to act, the surface of the oceans would immediately rise two hundred feet. Pressure at different depths the pressure of the atmosphere at sea level may be taken as 15 pounds to the square inch, which is equal to the weight of 30 inches of mercury. 34 feet of fresh water and 33 feet of salt water are equal to 30 inches of mercury, so that at 33 feet of depth in the sea, the pressure would be two atmospheres, including the true atmosphere. At a depth of 66 feet, three atmospheres. At 99 feet, four atmospheres, or 60 pounds to the square inch, and so on as shown in the following table, in which the true atmosphere is not taken into account. Table of Pressure Depth, 33 feet Pressure, 1 atmosphere, 15 pounds per square inch, 66 feet depth, 2 atmospheres, 30 pounds per square inch, 99 feet depth, 3 atmospheres, 45 pounds per square inch, 100 fathoms, 18 atmospheres, 270 pounds per square inch, 500 fathoms, 90 atmospheres, 1,350 pounds per square inch, 1,000 fathoms, 180 atmospheres, 2,700 pounds per square inch, 1.2 tons per square inch, 2,000 fathoms, 360 atmospheres, 5,400 pounds per square inch, 2.4 tons per square inch. 3,000 fathoms, 540 atmospheres, 
8,100 pounds per square inch, 3.6 tons per square inch, 4,000 fathoms, 720 atmospheres, 10,800 pounds per square inch, 4.8 tons per square inch, 5,000 fathoms, 900 atmospheres, 13,500 pounds per square inch, 6 tons per square inch, 5,348 fathoms, 960 atmospheres, 14,400 pounds per square inch, 6.4 tons per square inch. Effective Pressure There is a widespread view among many people that under great pressure, water becomes much denser and may attain something of the consistency of treacle, that ships and men, when they sink in the sea, reach their level but do not reach the bottom. The Sargasso Sea has been represented as a giant whirlpool, in which men and ships float about at all depths. Within the past year, the writer has often been asked if the Titanic really reached the bottom in a depth of three miles. During the Challenger expedition, after a funeral at sea, the Blue Jackets sent a deputation aft to ask if Bill would go right to the bottom when committed to the deep with a shot attached to his feet, or would he find his level, and there float about forevermore. Another question was, if Bill really did go to the bottom, what would he be like on reaching bottom at four or five miles? A living rabbit was on one occasion sent down to over 500 fathoms on a line. The body came up very little altered to all appearance. The bones were all intact, and the lungs were the only viscera that seemed to have been affected by the pressure. Even at 3,000 fathoms, a human body would be little altered in outward appearance. The Titanic is probably now lying on the bottom in a very little altered condition. Only those part of the structures would be burst inwards, imploded, into which water could not enter rapidly enough to equalize the pressure on the two sides, say of an iron plate. As the vessel sank deeper and deeper, the corks and all the wine and beer bottles would be driven in, if not quite full, and ultimately every hermetically closed chamber or recess would be imploded. The fact is that anything that will sink to the bottom of a tumbler of water will practically sink to the bottom of the deepest ocean. It is true, at least, for all substances more compressible than water. We have proof of this in the fact that the whole floor of the ocean is strewn with the delicate calcareous and siliceous shells of organisms which once lived in the surface waters. In March 1873, during the Challenger expedition, the two thermometers sent to the bottom in 3,875 fathoms collapsed owing to the great pressure. J.Y. Buchanan then took three glass tubes of different calibers, sealed at both ends, wrapped them in a cloth, and enclosed them in a cylindrical copper case having the ends pierced with holes in order to permit the free passage of water. The case was sent down to 2,800 fathoms, and when it came up again it looked as if it had been struck in the middle with a hammer. On being opened, the cloth was found to be full of what looked like snow, but it was in reality finely commuted glass. The two wider glass tubes had collapsed, while the narrow one was still intact. The experiment was repeated later, only one glass tube being used, and sent down to a depth of 3,000 fathoms. The copper case was again indented to that portion occupied inside by the sealed glass tube, which was reduced to powder. It seems that the sealed glass tube, while sinking, had held out long against the pressure, but that this at last had become too great for the glass to sustain, and the tube had suddenly given way, being crushed by the violence of the action to a fine powder.
the collapse had been so rapid and complete that the water had not had time to rush in through the holes at either end of the copper cylinder and thus fill the empty space caused by the collapse of the glass tube, but had instead crushed in the copper wall and thus brought about equilibrium. The process, which is exactly the reverse of an explosion, is called an implosion. During the Michael Sars expedition in 1910, a large number of glass floats wrapped in cloth were sent down to great depths inside a large zinc cylinder. These were all imploded and reduced to fine white powder, while the cylinder was indented opposite each one of the imploded floats. Some pieces of wood which had been sent down to a great depth attached to a challenger dredge, on being brought up again, sank like bricks in a tub of water. All the little cells of the wood had been imploded in deep water. Effect of Release of Pressure when water is exposed to great pressure, its volume is slightly diminished, and, some heat being liberated, the temperature of the liquid rises. Conversely, the volume of a liquid released from great pressure increases, and by this process some heat is taken up, which is drawn from the liquid, lowering its temperature. When, therefore, a water sample is drawn up in an insulating water bottle from a depth of, say, a thousand fathoms, the temperature of the sample is lowered, the amount of cooling depending on the temperature of the water. Thus a water sample brought up from a depth of 550 fathoms in the cold Norwegian sea is cooled 0.1 degree Fahrenheit while being hauled up, but a sample from the same depth in the warm Mediterranean is cooled 0.3 degrees Fahrenheit. A curious effect of the release of great pressure in the depths of the ocean is sometimes seen in the case of fishes living in very deep water. If for any reason they rise much above the depth at which they are adapted to live, the decrease of pressure causes their swimming bladders to expand, and their specific gravity is greatly reduced. Up to a certain limit, the muscles of their bodies can counteract the tendency to float upwards, but beyond that they are helpless, and go on tumbling upwards to the surface, being gradually killed by the distension of their organs as the pressure is relieved. The effect of the great pressure in the ocean on its inhabitants may be observed experimentally, by means of an ingenious apparatus devised by Paul Regnard. Animals which are quickly brought under pressure with the aid of this apparatus are seen to become inert and apparently dead. Then, if the pressure is gradually diminished, the animals gradually recover their normal functions and powers of movement. When the intercellular fluids of their bodies have had time to get into equilibrium with the pressure of the compressing medium. When the sudden increase of pressure exceeds a certain limit, death results through the rupture of the cells of the tissues, which are soaked with water. Color of seawater. W. Spring made many experiments on the color of fresh water, and found that ordinary distilled water was of a greenish color, which he believed to be due to impurities remaining in the water after distillation. Samples of water rendered absolutely pure had a beautiful clear blue color. In the open ocean, the water is generally of a bluish color, and near land and in estuaries, green or yellowish green. Within the thirtieth parallels north or south of the equator, the color is a brilliant ultramarine, and to the south of latitude 30 degrees south, it changes rapidly to a deep indigo, which continues as far as the Antarctic Circle, where it changes to olive green. The blue color is attributed to the rays of light being unequally absorbed by water, blue rays being ten times less absorbed than red rays. Variations in color may be due to materials in suspension and solution. Thus, in the neighborhood of coral reefs, the water is usually of a deep shade of blue, ascribed to calcium carbonate in solution, while the green color of the water in the far south is due to the abundance of diatoms and other minute plants. Viscosity 
The viscosity, or internal friction of seawater, is important from its bearing upon the floating powers of organisms and other biological phenomena. Variations of viscosity are almost entirely dependent on variations of temperature, for within the common limits of salinity, 30 to 35 per thousand, variations in viscosity due to differences in salinity may be entirely neglected. Viscosity diminishes with increase in temperature, as shown in the following table. Temperature, 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Viscosity, pure water at 32 degrees Fahrenheit equals 100. Salinity of 30 per thousand, 102. Salinity of 35 per thousand, 103. 41 degrees Fahrenheit. Salinity at 30 per thousand, 87. Salinity at 35 per thousand, 88. 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Salinity of 30 per thousand, 75. Salinity at 35 per thousand, 76. 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Salinity of 30 per thousand, 66. Salinity of 35 per thousand, 66. 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Salinity, 30 per thousand, 58. Salinity of 35 per thousand, 59. 77 degrees Fahrenheit. Salinity of 30 per thousand, 52. Salinity of 35 per thousand, 53. 86 degrees Fahrenheit. Salinity of 30 per thousand, 47. Salinity of 35 per thousand, also 47. It will be seen that seawater at 77 degrees Fahrenheit is only half as viscous as the same water at 32 degrees Fahrenheit. That is to say, the same body would sink twice as rapidly in water at a temperature of 77 degrees as in water at 32 degrees. Seawater at a high temperature may be said to be relatively thin as compared with the same water at a low temperature. The bearing of this on the development of suspension organs by floating organisms in cold and warm waters will be referred to later. Penetration of light. When the sun's rays strike the surface of the sea, some of them are reflected and the others penetrate into the water, being gradually absorbed at different depths according to the wavelength of the ray and the clearness of the water. The dark heat rays are absorbed most quickly, in the uppermost layers, whilst the light rays penetrating deeper, the blue rays penetrating the deepest of all. Many observations have been made to determine the intensity of light at different depths by means of photographic plates. In the Mediterranean, the effect of light has been traced down to depths of 260 fathoms off the Riviera and 300 fathoms off Capri. The latest observations, made during bright sunshine in June 1910 in the Sargasso Sea by Helen Henson during the Michael Sars expedition, showed that at 550 fathoms there was still sufficient light to affect a sensitive plate after exposure for 80 minutes. Another plate was exposed at a depth of about 900 fathoms for two hours, but showed no effect whatever. It is thus seen that the limit at which light penetration in the open ocean can be detected is somewhere between 600 to 900 fathoms, that is, considerably deeper than was previously supposed. Further observation with filters for rays of different color showed that at a depth of 275 fathoms many blue rays were present, but hardly any red ones, whilst at 55 fathoms all the light rays were present, though there were fewer of the red than of the others. In the seas of higher latitudes and nearer land, the light rays do not penetrate so deep, largely owing to the suspended particles in the water. End of section 9. Recording by Todd.